Hallelujah. Okay. Well, let's read tonight Jeremiah 29, verses 10 and 11 again. Jeremiah 29, verses 10 and 11. Hallelujah. You got it? Okay. Let's read all together. Ready? Read. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word to you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. Tonight we're talking again on the subject yielding to God's plan. This is part two, yielding to God's plan. Father God, tonight, thank you so much for giving us opportunity to spend this time in your word. I pray that God, you give us hearing ears, seeing eyes, and open hearts to receive the seed of the word tonight. I pray, Father, that you give me divine utterance from heaven. Let me utter and speak things I have not heard already, God. And I pray that God, this word will be fresh and alive, Lord, in this place tonight. And that God, as we spend this time in the word, God, the seed of the word will penetrate the soul of our hearts and produce in us what you're sinning to produce, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen and amen. Praise God. All right. Yielding to God's plan. Yielding to God's plan. Now, I've talked about this on Sunday a little bit about how true God-given prosperity, I want you to see this, true God-given prosperity is connected to God's purpose and plan for your life. True God-given. Everybody say God-given. God-given. You know there's, there's a prosperity, then there's God-given prosperity. We know that. Remember God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, he said, If you uh, meditate on my word day and night, be careful to observe all that's written therein. He said, Then you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have success. Right? What did he say? Good success. Good success. He put an adjective in there. Good success. Good success means that there must be some success that's not good. If not, the Holy Spirit would not have pointed out good success. So prosperity doesn't mean good prosperity or divine prosperity. There are a lot of people who appear to, to prosper. You read Psalm 37 and you read Psalm 73. They both talk about how the wicked seem to prosper. I've seen the wicked prospering like a green bay tree. And so they, 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 they appear to prosper, but it's only temporary. And most of it is not a total life prosperity. Just because someone have, has money doesn't mean that they are in total life prosperity. God doesn't mean for you and me just to have money. In fact, money is not even the highest form of prosperity. Amen. Money is the lowest form of prosperity. Come on, guys. Money is, not, is, not, money is the very lowest form of prosperity. Jesus taught us that, I think over in uh, one parable, I think it may be in Luke 16, he talks about that. When he talks about um, you, if you're not faithful in the least, how will you be uh, faithful in the, in the much? In other words, if you can't handle these, the, the mammon, how can you handle the true riches? So money is not the truest riches. Hello, somebody. And the devil tries to trick folk into going after money. But money is not where it's at, where it is. Money, money is the lowest form of prosperity. Hallelujah. Money, my, my spiritual dad says it this way, money makes a great servant, but it's a terrible master. It's a terrible master. And so you and I don't want to be bogged down in trying to find and get money. I got three amens on that one. 
Hallelujah. Let me help somebody. Don't go after money. Uh-oh. Oh, I better put some. Put, uh, give me First Timothy. Let me, let me read First Timothy real quick because uh, some of y'all kind of uh, concern me with y'all's um, reaction. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 and 11 and 12. Oh, Lord. Somebody say, oh, Lord. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which, for which, for which some have strayed from the faith. So when you go chasing money, guess what's going to happen? Uh, in fact, Minister Clayton talked about that here a couple Sundays ago when he talked about uh, Matthew 6, 24, and Jesus says you can't uh, love money and love God. Either you're going to love one or hate the other, you're going to serve one, you're going to cleave to the other, so, so forth, right? So you, if, if you begin to chase one, you're going to leave the other. So the, the moment you get into chasing money, you, you're leaving God. Amen, clock. The, clock. the clock's blinking at me. Thank you. So when the moment you go chasing money, you're leaving God. So he says here, the love of money is the root of all, all kinds of evil, for which some, now he didn't say money is, is, all, is the root of all evil. He said love of money, okay? Some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So if you, if you are, if you leave the faith and you get pierced through with many sorrows, imagine the people in the world who they never even had faith. Their life is full of sorrows. Y'all not saying anything. It's full of sorrows. It looks good on Instagram, but it's not real. It's, it's full of sorrows. That's why you have multimillionaires, billionaires jumping out, out of 50-story out of buildings. Hallelujah. Who was that, that designer? Was it Kate Spade? I mean, had the world at her, at her, at her fingertips and hung herself with her own, her own scarf. Because when you go after money, it's full of sorrows. Can I move on? Okay, I'm not sure because y'all looking at me like, Pastor, I need money. I'm, uh, <laughs> Verse 11, but you, O man of God, look at your neighbor and say, you, O man of God, woman of God. Flee these things. Run from that money chasing. And pursue righteousness. Come on. Come on. Come on. What else? Come on, what else? Verse 12, dude, this is what you do. Don't fight for money. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold to the God kind of life. To which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Amen. Amen. So we're not going to chase money, right? Okay. All right. So God-given prosperity is what I'm talking about here. It's connected to your God's purpose and plan for your life. Now, remember I showed you Job 36, verse 11. Job 36, verse 11, which says if they obey and serve him, if they obey and serve him, here's the mathematical equation. Obedience plus service equals prosperity and pleasures. Right? So if we obey and serve him, we will spend our days 
in prosperity. Our years in pleasure. We don't have to chase money. We don't have to spend, spend our time chasing money. Chasing pleasure. Chasing prosperity. No, we chase after God. We pursue his kingdom. We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Come on, somebody. And all these things shall be added unto you. Okay? Hallelujah. So we got to spend our time obeying and serving God. We saw, I talked about to you about how Jesus Christ fulfilled his purpose, right? And as if he fulfilled his purpose, money came to him. God took good care of, of Jesus Christ, right? I showed you how on Sunday, how in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, he submitted himself or he yielded himself to God's will. He, we, we really could say, he said, not my plan, but your plan for my life. So we, gotta, we have to submit ourselves, yield ourselves to God's plan. Because of that, the Bible says, therefore God has highly exalted him. Remember first in Philippians 2, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. So the honor that Jesus Christ has, the glorious high seat he has came because he yielded himself to God's plan. Hallelujah. So if you want to be exalted, you got to humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in what? Due time. In Hebrews 10 verse 7, I'm still reviewing, come on. Hebrews 10 verse 7, Jesus says this. It says this about what Jesus said. He says, then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. You see that? So, so the, the part in the volume all the way through me, that's a parenthetical part here. So we take that out, it would say, then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Can you see that? Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. In other words, I have come to fulfill my purpose. I have come yielding to your plan, O God. That's why I came. Hallelujah. One place Jesus said, what, what shall I do? Ask the Father to save me from, from this hour? He said, no, but for this purpose I have come. I came to give my life. I came to do his will. I came to fulfill his plan. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, every Bible uh, hero that we know of yielded themselves to God's plan. Every Bible hero we know of, Noah yielded himself to God's plan. Right? Y'all think Noah planned on being an ark builder? Noah was, there never been any rain. What was going to build an ark for? It's going to be a flood. What's a flood? Oh, it's going to rain a lot. What's rain? I don't know anything about that. But he submitted to God's will. Noah, being divinely warned, went and built an ark for the saving of his household. And by his actions, he declared all the other people unrighteous. Hebrews chapter 11, right? And so, so we see that, you know, Noah yielded himself to God's will. Abraham yielded himself to God's will. David, David, David yielded himself to God's will. I mean, think about what, what was David's life plan? Was David planning on being a king? I mean, think about Dave, David's prospect on his life. He was a shepherd boy. I mean, the runt of the litter. His dad didn't even have big plans for him. His, his dad didn't have any, any high expectations for David. We know that because when Samuel came to anoint a king, the dad called everybody but David. David was the least likely, likely to, 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 to succeed. And yet God interrupted his plan. 
Hallelujah. Every hero we know about. Think about Peter. Peter. Peter's plan. Peter's plan was to be a fisherman for his whole life. And Jesus Christ just came in and interrupted his whole life, and Peter yielded himself to God's plan for his life. He got blessed for it, didn't he? I said he got blessed for it, didn't he? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so every person you think about, they were doing something else, and God came along and interrupted their lives and presented his plan, and those who yielded, their lives changed totally. So what I'm saying to you is God comes along, and we all have our own plans. We all have all our, our own five-year plan, my 10-year plan, my 30-year plan. I sat down with a guidance counselor one day, or I sat down with a, with a financial advisor one day, or I sat down with a life coach one day. Y'all saw how I rolled my eyes? Did I do it right, ladies? Y'all know how to roll your eyes and do that kind of stuff. I can't do that. Because I'm not gay, so I don't know how to do that. But, but, <laughs> life coach is going to give you all the wisdom on how to live your life, and they're not talking to you about God's plan. They're helping you to further your plan. If you had a real life coach, they'd say, let's, let's take 40 days, and we're going to fast and pray, and we're going to get God's plan for your life. Because once you get God's plan for your life, you have a life coach called the Holy Ghost. He's called the Holy Ghost. Who will lead you in all truth. Who will guide you in all, all truth. He will teach you all things. Hallelujah. Somebody say God's plan. All right, now, so... So let's go to Jeremiah 29, please, because I want you to know that God only has good plans for his people. I told you that on Sunday. God only has good plans for his people. In Jeremiah 29, verse 10 and 11, the scenario, the background for us we saw Sunday was that God's people uh, were in captivity in Babylon, right? And I went through the history and I taught you about how uh, they were there in Babylonian captivity and it was his part of his plan or it was his plan to save his people. Okay? Uh, Jeconiah and all these other kings who were evil and uh, Nebuchadnezzar was going to come in and wreck the house and uh, God was going to use Nebuchadnezzar and, and Babylon to save some people. And he gave, remember I talked about from the 24th chapter of, of, um, of uh, Jeremiah, that vision of those, those figs, the good figs and the bad figs. And so uh, those good figs were the ones who obeyed God, his voice, and went into captivity. And I told you how God used that captivity to spare them. And that sometimes you might be in what seems a bad situation, but if God has brought you into a place, it might feel bad to you, but he's using that to spare your life. Because where you were was going to be a wreck. Remember Lot? Y'all remember Lot? Lot was a wealthy man. But when he left, he left uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He was snatched out. He didn't have time to go, go rent a U-Haul. Y'all missed what I said. He was a wealthy man, but when he got snatched out, he can go down to the rider company and say, I need a big truck and a caravan. I need to take all my stuff. He left empty-handed. But if he had not left, he would have perished with the wicked, with all of his stuff. Are you following what I'm saying to you? 
So sometimes God snatches you out of a situation and it might feel like you're starting completely over, but it's for your saving. It's for him to preserve your life. Hallelujah. I'd rather have my life preserved than to go down with some sinking ship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So in, in Jeremiah 29, verse 10 and 11, look at what it says here again. It says, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and do what? Perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. All right, now, again, I told you how God had them there. Uh, put up Micah 4.10 on the screen again, just so you see, just, just for the reference here, just as related to what I was saying to you, Micah 4.10, which uh, God says this. He says, be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in birth pangs. For now you shall go forth from the city, from Jerusalem. You shall dwell in the field, and to Babylon you shall go. You see the, pro the prophecy here. To Babylon you shall go. There you shall be delivered. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. So God had a there for them. There's a there God has for you to tuck you away until it's time to bring you back to that place he needs you to be. You and I may not always understand our there. We may not, may not always feel. I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this. I don't, we don't feel our there, but God needs you to be there to keep you there until it's time to bring you back over here. There you shall be delivered. There the Lord will redeem you. Y'all got that? Okay. Now, let's go back to Jeremiah 29, please. And I, I, want, I want to give you a little more background here. Jeremiah 29, I'm going to start at verse 4 through 11, but I want the NIV, please. Jeremiah 29, 29, verse 4 through 11 in the NIV, in the NIV. And let's, let's, let's look at this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile. I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, they're in exile captivity out of their land. But watch the next set of instructions, verse 5. Verse 5. Build houses. Now you're not in your place. You're not, you're not where you want to be. You're not in that place of promise. You're in a different place, but he says that's, that's not going to stop you from, from prospering. See, you and I got to change our perspective because we got to know how to maximize our now. I'm listening in, in my car to a, a message a dad preached years ago called Maximizing the Now. And uh, he preached it years. This is, I mean, it's, it's so long ago, his voice is way different. And, uh, and, but it's talking about how wherever you are, you got to maximize where you are right now. Even though you're not in that place you want to be, you haven't reached that level you want to be, you haven't reached that, that place that you believe God's taking you, you got to still maximize where you are now. Don't despise where you are now because it's not where you want to be. Learn to appreciate where you are now. Appreciate the journey. Did you hear what I said? Appreciate the journey. Hallelujah. I know the house you're in is not the house you dream of, but make the best of the house you're in. Decorate it, clean it, keep it smelling nice, keep it looking good. 
I know the car you're driving now isn't your dream car, the dream luxury car you always want, but keep the one you drive now clean. Start treating it nice. Act like it's something. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. I better leave that alone. Take care of what you have now. Make, make the most of your current situation. Now, you're not going to always be there, but bees you there. That's what we used to say. Back then. Bees you there. Make the best of it because you're there now. Hallelujah. So he says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Verse 6. Y'all ready for this? Mary. Well, I'm going to wait. I'm going I'm to wait to get up my own place, you know, wait to buy a house when I get married. No, Mary. And have sons and daughters. Marry and have kids. No, I don't, want, I don't want to bring kids into a situation like this. Y'all missing it. You know this silly, this silly witch, this silly witch Stacy Abrams. You ever heard of silly witch Stacy Abrams? The out and out lesbian, demon possessed woman running for governor of Georgia. She lost the first time. She going. You want a rematch? I told you, the devil always wants a rematch. And they were talking about her, talking to her. I know, I know it's a side note. Just let me, let me, let me vent. They're talking to her about, you know, one of the biggest issues in the races is, is the issue of abortion. And she, and then they, then they, oh, that's what that's what she was talking about about abortion because all the Democrats want to champion the right to abortion. And the moderator of the, of the discussion was saying, but, you know, most Americans aren't thinking about abortion. Most Americans think about how they're going to pay their light bill and how they're going to put gas in their car and how they're going to put food on the table because the average American right now is paying about seventy-five dollars to $7,600 more per the household, more per year than uh, uh, 2020. I'm not going to say who was in office then and who's in office now. I'll leave that to you. But the average cost per household is about $7,600 more now than it was two years ago. And so he's saying, hey, this is, this is what people on the, on the streets, this is what people are really thinking about. She says, she says well, you got to understand, the reason people are, are concerned about money is because they, they have kids. She says, so people stop having kids, they don't have to worry about money. In other words, she's advocating that people should have abortion because it'll save them money. Say, what kind of demon-possessed person says that? And there you go voting for them. People with that kind of mindset. That's the whole eugenics mindset. That's the whole eugenics mindset. That's the whole eugenics mindset. That we got to annihilate people because we can't afford more people on this planet. And God says, while you're there in captivity, I want you to marry and have plenty of children. How are we going to take care of these kids in captivity? Because God is with you where you are. He said, there I will deliver you. There you shall be redeemed. 
Then, then he said this, as if that weren't enough, he said, find wives for your sons. Y'all heard that? He said, you find wives for your sons. That means sons, you don't go picking your own wife. Let your mom and daddy find one for you. They, they know. Just thought I'd throw that in right there. Find wives for your sons. No, don't bring that old hussy home. No, no, no. Mm -mm, mm -mm. No, she's a floozy. No, no. Mm -mm. No, no, we work too hard, son. We pour too much into your life, son, for you to go down. No, no. He said, find sons, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. Give your daughters in marriage, okay, so that they too. You see this? bondage and he said have more children generations of kids they too may have sons and daughters he says increase in numbers there do not decrease y'all gotta I know this, this is soapbox time but this, that's what that abortion agenda is all about ladies and gentlemen it's about decreasing numbers and can I just throw this in here and I don't understand how any black folk I simply don't understand how any black folk, how any minorities can even champion this kind of foolishness. Because guess what? That's like the rabbit giving the hunter the gun. They're going to use the gun on you, fool. You don't know you're the main target? That's like the rabbit giving the hunter the gun and, and saying, what are we doing? And the hunter's saying, oh, we're going, we going to shoot a hunt for dinner. We're going to hunt for dinner. The rabbit don't know he the dinner. <laughs> Increase the numbers there. Do not decrease. Let me keep going. I got to keep going. Keep, got to keep going. Watch verse 7. Watch verse 7. He says, also seek the peace and, come on, prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile, praise the Lord for it, because if it prospers, come on, you too. So God is saying, I can prosper you wherever you are as long as I put you there. I can prosper you wherever you are as long as I'm the one that put you there. As long as you're in my plan. As long as you're in my will. If I send you to Timbuktu, you'll prosper in Timbuktu. If I send you to Tiny Rebonia, you'll prosper in Tiny Rebonia. If I put you in Largo, you'll prosper in Largo. You ain't got to be in Atlanta. You ain't got to be in Orlando. You ain't got to be in some big city. Wherever God puts you, he'll prosper you. Tell your neighbor, God will prosper you anywhere. As long as it's where he plans you to be. As long as it's where he planned you to be. Now, if you're not where he planned you to be, you're on your own. But if you're where he planned you to be, he's going to take good care of you. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Where are we in verse uh, 7? Look at verse 8. Let's, I want Because I want to go through verse 11. Verse 8, yes, 
This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. The dreams you encourage those prophets and diviners to have. You just say, hey, prophet, you got a word for me? Don't ever ask, go ask somebody if they got a word for you. Do you like asking somebody if they got a word for you? Hey, you got a word for me? You got a word for you? What does it look like, a bubblegum machine? What you talking about? Slot machine? No, it doesn't got no. 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 That's, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Verse 9. Verse 9. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Now pick up verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Verse 11. For I know the plans. Come on. I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and so notice the plans were not just going to start when they left Babylon. The plans to prosper them were already in the works. Babylon was part of it. You and I have to be sensitive. And, and I think this word came out maybe a couple years ago about being flexible. Y'all remember that? God was telling us to be flexible. Be flexible. Allow God some, some give, give God the leeway to move you here and there to, to rearrange your life. And don't be so stringent and strict about your plan. As a matter of fact, in reality, you ought to take your plan and just rip it up. And say, God, I'm open to you, whatever your plan is in my life. So his plan is to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. Can you say amen? amen? Now back in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 in the New King James Version it says this, this, for I know the thoughts the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of hope to, not of evil rather to give you a future and a hope. Remember I taught you that word thoughts, mahasaba in the Hebrew mahasaba and it means thought device plan, purpose or invention. So thought or device, plan or purpose or an invention. So I know the thoughts or the device or the plan or the purpose or the invention I think towards you. Thoughts, devices, plans, purposes, inventions of peace. <laughs> oh my God. Now let me help you here. Let's look at this word in, in the, in the dic from the dictionary, the word invention. I thought this was pretty good here. An invention means the act of bringing ideas or objects together in a novel way to create something that did not exist before. The act of bringing ideas or objects together in a novel. Novel means a new way to create something that did not exist before. So God has no limit to how he can prosper you to how he can get you to your expected end. Hallelujah. 
You ever been riding with somebody and, and uh, in, in the car and you know, you're around the city and they ask you for a ride home or, or somewhere and you know, you're driving and you, you take a different route than they're expecting? And they, well, are you going, to, you're going the wrong way? No, I'm not going the wrong way. Now this especially happens when you have kids who don't know how to get around. My kids, my kids used to get so annoyed. We were coming down on Roy Hanna Drive. Uh, you know, I don't know if y'all remember Roy Hanna Drive, Nippon's Point. Roy Hanna Drive, and you, can, you could uh, basically go straight from Roy Hanna Drive to Benola's Point Drive, make a right, and go to Benola's Point Drive. It goes around, around. Or you can take Roy Hanna Drive, turn on 28th or 29th, for me, 28th Street, and, and go this way. Now, I know from, from just my, my foreknowledge, uh, previous knowledge, that uh, it's, it's just... This, this is me going the way they want to go. This is me going the way I'm going. It's this. It's from this point, this. It's going to the same point. They would, because they were so used to us going this way and turning right, they would get annoyed when I would make this right here and then turn left and go there. Why are we going the long way? Why are we going this way? You remember that? Oh, you remember? You, we know. We gotta go this way. We're ready to go home. We are going home. We're just going a different direction. It's the same amount of time. Hallelujah. God has novel ways. Behold, I will do a new thing, says the Lord. Hallelujah. God has all kind of ways He can bring you out, bring you up, take you over, take you in. Do, the, do the, the never heard of, never thought of before in your life. So notice again this, this definition. The act of bringing ideas or objects together in a novel way. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 testifies of this. It says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, y'all need to memorize that, at least the location of this verse, Ephesians 1.11. That God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, this is different from Romans 8.28. You know, we hear Romans 8.28, everybody quotes that, sings that, prays that. God, we know you work all things work together for, for my good. You're working all things together for my good. And they talk about when things happen, tragic things happen, and they lose their job or, you know, fire destroys their car, and they say, well, it's all working together for my good. That's not what that verse means. That's not what that verse means. That verse is referencing all the other things that he wrote about in the previous verses. Talking about how you have the intercessor, the Holy Ghost, interceding for you. How you have been adopted into God's family. You've been given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, my father. All those things, they work together for our good. But when we're talking about events in our lives, things around us that happen, things moving, uh, pegs changing, players in our lives changing, we're talking about Ephesians 1.11. Because it says, uh, put, put Ephesians 1.11 back on the screen. In him also we have obtained an inheritance... Being what? Predestined. predestined means what? That he's already preset a destination. Yes, sir. 
Remember, and when you read uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 in the King James Version, it uses the phrase expected end. So God already has your end in mind. Before you were born, he had your end in mind. Before you got saved, he had your end in mind. Okay, so here he predestined, we've been predestined according to the, to the what? According to the what? So there's a purpose for your life. You've been predestined. You have a purpose, okay, from God. The purpose of him. Now what does God do to get through, get that purpose to get you to your predestination? He works all things. Can y'all see this here? He works all things according to the counsel of his will. Predestined for a purpose, so then he works all things according to the counsel of his will. God knows how to shut down companies and have companies move. How to move people in authority in different places because he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, thank you, Lord. Okay, uh, remember Joseph, yes. right? Jacob's son, Joseph, Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, who was hated by his brothers. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit, boy, that's the way, wow. That God gave Joseph a dream. I'm saying it because I'm, I'm going to talk about it here in a second. Oh, man. God gave Joseph a dream, and this dream pointed to his predestined purpose. The dream, and then he came back with another dream to verify the predestined purpose. But then he told his brothers about the dream, his father about the dream, and they hated him all the more. And they threw him in a, in a pit intending to kill him. They were going to kill him, right? But then God spared his life. God had his, his brother Reuben said, hey, let's not do that. Let's, let's, not, let's not kill him. Uh, you know, that's daddy's boy. Let's not kill him. Let's, let's not bring that grief. Uh, let, we'll just sell him and, and, just, and just say he died. Okay? So, so, what Joseph, that pit was not what Joseph dreamed about. Joseph didn't have visions about a pit. But he ended up in a pit, and that pit saved his life. And it just so happened. Y'all miss it. Y'all better look up. It just so happened that a band of Midianites is coming by on their way to Egypt. Now, y'all got to catch me. They weren't just coming by. God was working all things... Y'all help me out. According to the counsel of his will. So God had already prearranged for this band of Midianites to be coming about at just the right time. Y'all better catch this here. There is no such thing as coincidence in God. So they just so happened to be coming by and, and they, they, they purchased him. He didn't dream about being a slave. He didn't dream of a pit. He didn't dream of being a slave, but the slavery was for his deliverance. God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. 
He ends up now, y'all know the story, right? He ends up in Potiphar's house serving Potiphar as a slave, becomes the head man in Potiphar's house. And then it happens that Potiphar's wife had goo-goo eyes, gaga eyes for, for this good-looking young, young Hebrew. And, and she, she lusted after him and desired him and went after him every single day. And he kept resisting because he said, I cannot sin against God. Oh, man. If you really get a vision of your destiny from God, it'll keep you out of sin. I'm going to come over here. If you really get purpose in your heart, if you really get destiny in your heart, it'll keep you out of sin. Because you will not do what, whatever it takes to jeopardize your journey towards your destination. And he said, I cannot sin against God. I can't do this. I see myself as something. I'm in this condition now, but I'm going to make the best of it. So he served Potiphar with all his might. And Potiphar's wife, because she couldn't get what she wanted, she made these charges against him. Y'all know the story, right? And she made these charges against him. He ended up in prison. Well, his dream wasn't to be in prison. But God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. The pit got him closer to the palace. Potiphar's house got him closer to the palace, but not close enough. He ended up in, in, in Pharaoh's prison. The Bible says he was thrown in Pharaoh's prison. Not just any prison. He was thrown in Pharaoh's prison. This was not a coincidence. God, ladies and gentlemen, you got to hear what I'm saying. He's working all things according to the counsel of his will. And because he's in Pharaoh's prison, he encounters the, the butler and, and, the, and the, the baker there. And the butler uh, tells him, and they both tell, have their own dreams. And, and Joseph ends up interpreting their dreams. And the butler is finally saved. The baker loses his head, but the butler is saved. And for two years, he forgets all about Joseph. Joseph is stuck in prison. And remember, Joseph in that prison still had a happy face. Somebody so he'd ask them, what, what's wrong with y'all? Why are y'all so down? And they looking like you in the same prison we in. Why, why are you so up? Because there's a dream that wouldn't let him be depressed. There's a dream. There's a vision. There's a purpose. There's a destiny on the inside of him that is charging his spiritual batteries. And so after two years, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream. And now Pharaoh, his wise men, they, they, you know, they, Pharaoh has a dream, deep, And he was accustomed to his wise men giving him the interpretation. This is what they did all the time. This is what they did all the time. So when he had this dream, he, was, he just went with what he normally went with. Which meant somehow those wise men, those uh, uh, magicians, they were able through, through demonic wisdom to ascertain the meanings of dreams or to even give images but God blocked it this time see y'all not catching it remember he works all things so God even though the, that the devil is the prince of the power of the air God is still over him and God blocked the, revel the demonic revelation that these wise men would normally get and then he brings it back to the, to the butler's remembrance. Oh, there's this young fellow back in prison. 
and he knows how to interpret dreams. And they go back and they get Joseph, and Joseph has enough sense to change his clothes and to shave his face and to look good because he, he gets a sense, I'm about to go to another level here. And when he gets there now, he's there in Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh now tells him a dream. You know the story. He interprets a dream. Now Joseph becomes the second leading man in all the world because the whole world is in a famine, and Egypt is feeding the whole world. And, and now Joseph is in charge, and Pharaoh's words were, nothing happens in this whole nation unless it goes through you. Long story shorter. That now when his brothers finally come, because now they need, and they run into him, and when all, all the story goes, when he finally reveals himself, they're afraid. When he finally reveals, hey guys, it's me, it's Joseph, they're afraid. But his words to them were this, I'm paraphrasing. Guys, don't be afraid. What you meant for evil, God turned it. I went through that whole story to tell you that God causes all things to work together for his will to be done in your life. All the changes, all the ups and downs, all the haters, all the lovers, all the accusers. It was all a setup to get him to that place because there was a predestined place. God had a purpose. And the purpose for Joseph being in Egypt was to save a people. His destiny was to rule, but his purpose was to save a people. Y'all missed it. His destiny was to rule, but his purpose was to save. So God worked all these things together. Are y'all catching this? Now, did, did God bless him for being in the, in the plan? I mean, he was so, so well off that when, when he sent his brothers back to, to their dad, he said, he said, go back and tell daddy about all my glory. He said, he said, he said go, go, go tell dad I got it going on. Go. His dad had been worried about me. He thought I was dead, but tell him I'm not, not dead. Not only am I not dead, but I'm loaded. Why? He was yielded to God's plan for his life. Oh, boy. I went through all that just to, just to say, man, just, just yield to his plan. Are you in Ephesians 1.11? Give me Ephesians 1.11. I think it's going to tie it to verse 12 as well. Give it to me in the message uh, Bible, please. The message paraphrase. Message Bible. Ephesians 1. It's going to be verse 1, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 together. Look at what it says. It says, it's in Christ. Oh. You ain't got to go to some mountain in the Himalayas trying to find who you are. I got to go off on a journey out there to the, you know, Pacific Island to try to find out, discover who I am. No, it's in Christ that we find out who we are. And watch this. And what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. God had his eye on you. 
before you ever knew him. While you were clubbing and tripping and sipping and dipping and tipping, God had his eye on you. He had designs on us for glorious. Oh, man. Thank you, Chris. Say something. He had designs on us for glorious living. God designed a glorious life for you. He's not just talking about when you get over yonder in heaven. He's talking about a glorious life for you. And that glorious living, part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. Praise God. Y'all got time for more, right? Okay. All right, now we, we got over there talking about this Mahasaba. Those thoughts. Those thoughts. Now, I don't know anybody researched it. Thank you. But I did. Because I had to verify it. Remember I said Sunday, I wonder, wonder if that's the same thoughts, the same Mahasaba that's in Isaiah 55. And it is. So if you look at Isaiah, that's the book previous or prior to uh, Jeremiah. Isaiah 55, and uh, oh my Jesus. Are y'all learning anything? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm not here just to preach. I'm here to, for you to learn. Yes, sir. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Look at what it says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his mahasabas. His thoughts, his plans, his devices, his purposes, his inventions. Same word. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Verse 8. For my mahasabas are not your mahasabas. Nor are your ways, that word ways, the Hebrew word direct, direct, D-E-R-E-K, direct. So nor are your directs or ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my mahasabas than your mahasabas. So God's thoughts, devises, or devices, his plans are higher than your plans. His purposes are higher than your purposes. So you and I, we're, we, we, may think we, have, we may think we have a purpose, but if our purpose is not God-given purpose, then it's no real purpose at all. Because purpose does not come from the created. Purpose comes from the creator. That went over somebody's head. Purpose does not come from the created. Purpose comes from the creator. That means man cannot give you your purpose. Your purpose must come from the one who created you. Man, <laughs> hallelujah. When I was in um, um, what we used to call back in the day, ELP. That was a gifted program. Y'all know the gifted program? I think that's what they call it today, the gifted program. <laughs> And, and back then, we, they, they would do these things uh, to get our thinking uh, expanded um, 
they, which gifted program is very scary today, first of all. Let me just tell you all that. Just throw that in on the side. Because I remember me in gifted program. My wife was in gifted program. And they, they teach a lot of uh, meditation and transcendental things and things to get you. Um, they don't just educate. They indoctrinate. I'm just telling you that. I'm just telling you that. So anybody trying to get your kids in those programs, just be, just be careful. You better monitor them real heavy. Anyway, but they did this thing with us where they, they would t- take, um, uh, our, our job was to take some old thing we f- that they found, like an ar- archaeological discovery, and f- we didn't know what it was. It was for us to ascertain through, through critical thinking what it was and what it was for. Form and function. We, we, our job was to give it a purpose based on what we figured. What does that have to do with us, Pastor? Because that's what the devil wants all of us to do with our lives. It's to let some other person or even ourselves, based on our form and function, uh, determine what our purpose is rather than go to the creator who gave us the form and the function and knows what our purpose is. For his purposes are are greater than our purposes. His inventions are higher than our inventions. Are y'all seeing this here? Okay. Now, let me move on here. We may not get to the end, I'm pretty sure, but we can can still get a little farther here. Okay? Now, we said God has only good plans for his people, right? Now, God is orchestrating our lives according to his will, thoughts, Devices, plans, purpose, and inventions. You get that? Now, just you, you, you can write it home later when you watch this again. God is orchestrating our lives. Remember, we read Ephesians 1:11. He's working all things according to the counsel of His will. He's working all things. He's working all things, which means He is orchestrating our lives. He knows how to arrange and rearrange. He knows how to prearrange. Hallelujah. I don't know if y'all remember this year, we declared this is a year of divine arrangements. I know y'all forgot that already because that, that didn't even ring a bell in, bell in most of your heads. A year of divine arrangements, which meant that God was divinely arranging things in our lives. In other words, setting things up for us in our paths. Because God is trying to get us to our expected end. He's trying to get us to a particular place at the right time. Thank you, Lord. Do you understand? Um, I, I used to be in, in, in symphonic band. Uh, we played in orchestras. And, and the, the, the conductor of that orchestra, the conductor of that symphonic band, his job was to make sure that, that everybody uh, came in at the right time. There, we, we had, we had our, our music sheets, right? And me as a trumpetist, trumpeter, trumpeter, a trumpeter, my sheet music was the plan for me. 
the clarinetists, their sheet music was the plan for them. The flautists. Uh-huh, I want to see who knows. That's the flute players, right? Uh-huh. The flautists had their sheet music. It was their plan for them. Now, I could not just arbitrarily play my music and then play their music, the oboe players and the tuba players and all the, the timpani who just boom every once in a while. <laughs> but it was still part of the plan. And the timpani was not less significant because they had less parts to play. Because the timpani player was, I mean, that made the song. When the timpani player came in at the exactly the right moment, Evie, They, they might only hit that drum 16 times in the whole concerto, but it was at 16 right times. Oh, my. Are y'all hearing this? The conductor's job was to make sure everyone knew their plan because he was conducting an overall plan. So God is orchestrating our lives according to his will, thoughts, devices, plans, purpose, and inventions. Y'all getting this here? All right. Now I got 10 minutes to wrap this up here. Hallelujah. Psalm 37, verse 23. Psalm 37, 23. Let me read it. Let me read it to you. Let me read it to you. Just write it down. Psalm 37, 23. Remember his plan now. The steps... Of a good man, come on, are ordered by the Lord and he delights. So God is ordering my steps. Everybody say, God order my steps. So he's ordering, our, or, ordering means uh, another word for that is ordaining. God pre plans our steps. So for us to get where he wants us to get, we must follow his order. Don't live and operate out of order. Many times the, the anxiety is in us because we want to skip steps. Because we believe we're supposed to be there. And true enough, you may, you may be there at some point. But to get to there, there must be some steps you have to go through. And the steps that you go through are not about giving God time to prepare the thing for you, but to prepare you for the thing. Hallelujah. So he orders our steps and he delights in our way. Are y'all seeing this? Proverbs 16, verse 9. Proverbs 16, verse 9. Hallelujah. It says this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord... How many of y'all can say that's sure enough true? That's sure enough true. We've all planned our own ways. We've all had plans. But if we yield to the Holy Ghost, the Lord directs our steps. Hallelujah. Now, is there anything wrong with a, with a plan? No. <laughs> Jury, please disregard that statement. <laughs> I apologize, John. What was I talking about? Oh, right, 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 right. 
Praise God. Well, let me just keep going. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So there's nothing wrong with a plan if that plan is from God, because God will give you plans. But the Lord directs his steps. So the plans require steps. You got it? So you might see the plans, but how many know you can't skip steps? Anybody ever tried to assemble a bicycle, you've skipped steps and you know, uh-oh. You try to assemble furniture because you saw the picture. And most, most, most big-headed men like me, we think, I see the picture. I got this. I can do this. I don't need directions. I, I got this. And then we found out we don't got this. And we got to go back and follow the steps. That's because we know the end result doesn't mean we can afford to skip steps. Hallelujah. God knows how to accelerate your movement. I said God knows how to accelerate your movement. But let him direct your steps. Proverbs 19, 21. Proverbs 19.21. Look at what it says here. There are many plans in a man's heart. There are many plans in a man's heart, or a woman's heart. This is mankind. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So no matter how many plans you have in your heart, you cannot override God's counsel. Hello? You cannot override God's counsel. So, so it would seem to me the smartest thing to do is to just submit my plans to God and let him approve, disapprove, let him reject, approve, re receive, accept, whatever. And whatever he doesn't accept, I get rid of it. Whatever he accepts, I say, thank you, Lord. I'll go with it. I'll direct my steps on it. Because ultimately his counsel, that's going to stand. Whatever God's predetermined will is, that's what's going to stand. You're not, and, and listen, and you're not going to get God to change his counsel. <laughs> no, I don't like that plan. It doesn't matter if you don't like that plan. I mean, I didn't consult with you when I created the earth. When I created the heavens. I didn't even consult with you when I created you. So I made you think I'm not going to consult with you now about my plan for your life. You're here because I brought you here. I'm speaking for God here. You're here because I wanted you here in the earth. Hallelujah. Well, I thought we had free will. We are, we are free will. Well, you, you, you have free will. You can reject it. Jonah. I said you can reject it, Jonah. But it's going to... You're going to have to spend three days in the belly of a well of a fish or something. You're going to, you're going to, it's, going to, it's not going to be easy. Hallelujah. So rather than bump your head for 40 years, just yield to his will right away. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, I got quite a ways to go. Um, so I'm going to end here, okay? Is that all right? I'll end here. Well, that's a good time. That's enough. Praise. I know, I know. You're right. It's a lot, whole lot to think about. I'm going to give those verses again. Psalm 37, verse 23. The substance of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19, 21. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. That will stand. All right. So if you come back Sunday, and I trust you will, I'm going to talk about how God gets you in his plan. how the plan gets in you. He gets you in the plan, and he, get, he gets the plan in you, and gets you in the plan. And um, I got proof of it. Amen. Amen. Y'all receive that tonight? Yeah. Come on, give God a praise tonight. If you receive that word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God knows the thoughts he thinks towards you. He knows the plans he has for your life. So you, what you and I have to do is get to know them for ourselves. First thing is get to know God. We get to know him. The Bible says in the 25th Psalm that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. So he'll reveal his secrets to you and me when we fear him. When we reverence him, he'll begin to reveal those secret things to us. They're plans. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, the more we spend with him, the more time, the more closest we have to him, he reveals not just his plan for you, but he begins to reveal his overall plan, the master plan. Did you catch that? He begins to reveal the master plan. I remember when I was in uh, a senior in high school, and uh, I, again, I was, in, I was in jazz band. I was in symphonic band. I was in marching band. And uh, as I, I spent so long doing that stuff, I kind of, you know, became good at what, what I did, thank the Lord. And uh, I remember uh, my band director started letting me write uh, the, the uh, show, the halftime show. You know, the, where you march around and ah, da, 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 da. he started letting me write that and graph it all out and everything. That was pretty exciting. But then he also began to teach me how to conduct the band, how to, how to take the whole score and read the whole thing. Now, this is from a guy. This is, this is wow. God, I haven't even thought about this before to just now. Because I, I really wasn't even reading the music till I made it in the house. I mean, I've been praying, I've been playing trumpet from the 6th grade in band 6th, 7th, 8th grade, ninth grade 10th grade and wasn't even reading the music I was faking it oh, wow. seriously, I would, I would hear the music and just learn it and learn how to, how to finger it and learn how to play it and they thought man this guy's good I, I was faking it I really couldn't read the music till my, my band director St. High got a hold of me and said hey you, let me show you how to read this music well that changed everything so by the time I went over to Lakewood there in 11th grade, now I'm learning to read music. I go by the next year, I'm reading the whole score. In other words, I got to see the master plan. I got to see and learn how to read the master plan. 
And that's where God wants us to, to that, that's really what prophets are all about. Amos 3, 7, that God said, I'll do nothing in the earth except I reveal it first to my servants, the prophets. So in other words, you and I are prophetic people. Am I right? That means we start getting access to the master plan. Remember in the 15th chapter of John, Jesus told the disciples, he says, I don't, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends because uh, servants, they don't know what their master's doing. In other words, I tell y'all everything. I'm telling y'all the master plan. You see that? So, I mean, we're in a good place <laughs> to hear not only God's personal plan, but his master plan for the, for the earth. But here's the thing. The master plan includes you. It includes you. He brought you into the house of God, into the kingdom of God, into the family of God for such a time as this. You're not here on the earth by accident. You're not in this ministry by accident. Everything that's going on, God has planned things out. And if we yield to that plan, things will start. I'll put it like this. If we yield to that plan, here, here it goes, things will start making more sense. That's it. Things will start making more sense. That will go from from a, a prayers full of whys. God, why? God, why? We'll go from prayers full of whys to prayers full of yeses. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Why? Because things, okay, this makes sense now. Okay, this makes, all oh, that makes sense. There, <laughs> I was telling Brother Barry the other night, uh, there, there are some things that, that God is already saying and doing that I, I can't even discuss fully yet. Just some things that, that, that he's moving. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense now. That, okay, God, yeah, got you. I see it. See? All it is just yielding to God's will. And the moment you start saying yes, there are some things about my life, some of God's plans, I was still saying no to. Things God's been saying that you know He's been pushing on this, on this area of your life for years. I'm not, I'm not talking about sin. Don't look at me like that. I'm not, not I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about yielding to His purpose, yielding to His to instructions, yielding to things He wants me to do. And I was resisting because you know I don't feel adequate. I'm not. I don't feel like I'm enough, or I don't have this, or I'm not that, or whatever. But the moment I start saying yes, all of a sudden, this is starting to. sense now. Are you following what I'm saying to you? Praise God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, tonight for this word. Thank you for each person who's been here and part of this word. I pray, Father, that God, that, Lord, you'd begin to reveal, hallelujah. I don't want to give too much about what I'm going to preach Sunday, but, Lord, I ask that you just reveal to us purpose, plans for our lives. In the way you do, you have many ways to show us things. And I pray, Father, you reveal purpose and plans, devices, inventions, your thoughts to us, the thoughts that you think toward us. And they're good thoughts. They're good thoughts. I pray, Father, that God, we will yield ourselves to those good thoughts, that knowing that, God, if there's some instruction you've given us, there's a good thought behind it. If there's a challenge 
you've given us. There's a good thought behind it. If there's something you've asked us to walk away from, it's because there's a good thought behind it. <laughs> there's something you've asked us to give up, it's because there's a good thought behind it. Because all your thoughts toward us are good and not evil. Thoughts to give us a future and a hope. Thoughts to give us an expected end. And I pray, Father, that each and every one of us, as we step into your purpose and your plans for our lives, that God will fulfill your purpose in our generation, will serve you in our generation, and bring you honor and bring you glory and help usher in the full manifestation of your kingdom in the earth this day. We thank you for this and we give you all the glory for what you're doing even now in our lives we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give God one more big hand of praise tonight.